Hey friend, thanks for joining me today. I'm Misty Phillip, the host of the By His Grace podcast. And today I want to give a shout out to my listeners in France. I love the way God is using this podcast to encourage listeners like you all around the world. I continue to be humbled by the way God uses this podcast. In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul gives general instructions on how Christians are to lead holy lives. The Bible gives general principles for life, but as followers of Christ, we must use wisdom to discern how to apply those principles to the concrete issues in life. In Ephesians 5-6, in the ESV, it says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, according to the ESV study Bible notes, this phrase translates exagora razo, which can mean redeem or purchase. Christians must actively take advantage of the opportunity to do good. Wisdom is especially needed in an evil age where the pathway of holiness is not always immediately clear until one reflects upon God's word and discerns his holy will. In Psalm 90:12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Y'all, we are living in crazy days where right is called wrong and wrong is called right. We need wisdom to navigate our time living wisely and applying the word of God to our lives. And that is why I am so excited to welcome my very wise friend, Jordan Rayner, to the By His Grace podcast today to discuss his new book, Redeeming Your Time, Seven Biblical Principles for Being Purposeful, Present, and Wild productive. Jordan Rayner, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I am so glad that you are here with me today. It's a joy to be with you, Misty. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, you are a serial entrepreneur, a best-selling author, a podcast host, a coach, a husband, a father. You wear many hats, um, and you are well acquainted with the challenge of time management like many of us are today that comes along with being a, a content creator or just someone who's managing a career and family. It's, it's a lot, right? Um, I can remember even when I was homeschooling, people would say, how are you? I'm like, I'm busy. Why, why do we wear a badge of busyness like that? I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Um, but my question for you is, um, this year on the By His Grace podcast, we have been talking about chasing our dreams and following God. And a key component to that is time management um, and our productivity, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show today. So in your book, you share wisdom uh, from Redeeming Your Time, which is your new book that's coming out. But I love this subtitle, Seven Biblical Principles for Being Purposeful, Present, and productive. Who doesn't want to be more purposeful, present, and productive? Um, so 
tell us what these seven principles are and how we can apply those to our lives. Yeah. So to back up just a bit, uh, the seven principles, they're not just biblical. Um, I believe you can see them in the gospels modeled in the life of Jesus Christ. Right. I, I think we, I've read more than 40 books on time management in my career, and I've never once read one that accounted for how the author of time, God himself, of course, managed his time when he came to earth <laughs> in the incarnation in a human being named Jesus Christ. That's radical. And when we read the gospels for what they are, biographies, uh, we can see how the most purposeful president and wildly productive person who ever lived, Jesus Christ stewarded his time. And in the book, I outlined seven timeless principles from his life. Number one, start with the word. Jesus prioritized time with the father above food, above sleep, above time with the disciples, above everything. We got to do the same. Number two, Jesus commanded that our yes be yes. Before we set big goals for our lives, we got to be faithful with what's in our hand right now and ensure that we have a proper system in place to manage all the commitments in our lives, big and small. Uh, principle number three, descent from the kingdom of noise. Jesus spent a phenomenal amount of time in lonely places. Sometimes the gospels translate that to solitary places. We have to do the same if we want to be creative, if we want to think clearly, if we want to listen to God's voice. Principle number four, prioritize your yeses. Jesus didn't say yes to everything. Neither can we. Principle number five, accept your uni presence. I think it's fascinating that Jesus, omnipresent God for 33 years, traded that godly omnipresence for the human unipresence you and I share today. And he did it so well, focusing on one important thing or one important person at a time. That's principle number five. Principle six, embrace productive rest. Like a lot of times we think that rest is unproductive. Science and scripture tell us that's one of the most productive things we could do, both for our goals and for our souls. And then finally, principle number seven, we, like Jesus, have to eliminate all hurry from our lives. Obviously, stealing this from my good friend, John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, you know, Jesus throughout the gospels was crazy busy but he was remarkably unhurried. He was never busy in a way that made him frantic or anxious. And we've got to steward our time the same way. Absolutely. Now I want to dig into these a little bit more, but before I do that, you said something that caught my attention. You said before we can, before we can do these big lofty goals, before we can chase our dreams, we have to spend time with the word. And and you talk about that a little bit more in your book. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? One of the things that you talk about is that we should have like these big audacious goals, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So share a little bit more about that. I think we should be setting the biggest goals uh, on the planet. And I think uh, time in God's word helps spurs us on to that end. Because when we look in the word, we see time and time again, what Ephesians 3.20 says, that God has the power to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, right? The whole scripture, all these accounts in the Old Testament are all about God doing impossible th things, through totally ordinary people. So that's one reason why we need to be in the Word on a daily basis. The other is, you know, if we want to redeem our time for God's purposes and His agenda rather than our own, we got to know what His Word says. We have to understand what His agenda is in the world. Otherwise, you know, we may be managing our time well for 
worldly purposes, but honestly, who cares? This life is a rounding error. If we want to redeem our time for God's purposes, we've got to know what he's saying about what he's up to in the world. That's right. I always say, um, I have a little phrase I use, we have to be in the word so that we know what the word says so that we can know how to apply it to our lives. I mean, we just have to. And I love that you mentioned that verse in Ephesians because God continues to just blow me away. Um, the more that I submit to him and he asks me to do big things and I step out, it just blows me away because he is a God of so much more. But we do have to quiet ourselves. And yes. something that I'm really not so good at, Jordan, is resting. And it's such a biblical principle, so much so that God put it in the Ten Commandments, right? <laughs> I don't know if you're guilty of this too, but we have to have that rest and to and to hear from God and and to have Sabbath. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, happy to. So the book is this idea of embracing productive rest. And there's actually a phenomenal amount of scientific data to support the fact that there are three rhythms of rest that God has biologically hardwired us all with. Number one are bi-hourly breaks. If you're doing knowledge work as a writer, as a content creator, any type of knowledge work, your body pulses in, in two-hour blocks of energy. You do deep work for 90 minutes, and then your body is screaming for a break for 15 to 30 minutes, and then you go back, you do it again. That's number one. Number two, we all need eight hours of sleep. Not all, uh, but one in, I think it's something like 2 million people uh, are, can, can get by with less than eight hours of sleep. And then third, Sabbath. Uh, there's some fascinating data that shows that the people who live the longest and are most productive in this life are the people who rest the most, specifically by taking a whole day off a week to Sabbath. There's this great story from the gold rush uh, of the 1800s. There's this little guide called the Emigrant's Guide to California. It was published in the, in the 1800s. It said that the gold rushers who reached California faster, 21 days sooner than their competitors were those who rested. Uh, once every seven days, right? So Sabbath is counterintuitively productive for our goals, but it's also productive for our souls because it's a means of preaching the gospel to ourselves and reminding us that God doesn't need us to be productive. We can rest and the world is going to keep on spinning without us. And that preaches, right? It reminds us that God doesn't need us to finish our to-do lists uh, because if the things on our to-do list aren't his to-do lists, He's going to finish them in his time. As Job says in Job 42, his purposes will not be thwarted. Uh, and to me, that's incredibly freeing and enables me to rest at least once a week. So good. That is so good. Well, that leads me to another question I want to ask you. One of the things that you said is that you consume zero news. <laughs> now, recently, I, um, I go through periods of time where I don't read the news and then I read the news. And recently I have been in a time of consuming the news. And what I find is that it is so draining on me and my outlook on life is so horrible. Now I feel like we need to have some situational awareness. We need to understand the times. So we need to be clued into what's going on. But I know that I'm happier when I don't read the news. Guess what, Misty? You're not alone. You're not alone. We're all happier when we don't read the news. And there is a real fear that we're going to be totally ignorant about our world if we stop reading the news. But, oh, my gosh, if you hear one thing from today, please hear this. I stopped reading news entirely six years ago. And guess what? I hear about 
everything that truly matters to my life, to my work, and what's really going on in the world. I'll give you a great example. I'm a huge Tim Keller fan. When Tim Keller tweeted that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, eight of my friends texted me the news within 10 minutes of the news breaking. I hear about pandemics. I hear about hurricanes. I hear about race riots and media trends. And I'm a huge West Wing fan. So I hear about every West Wing reunion (laughs) rumor, right? And I hear about all of these things without having to spend a single moment waiting through the 99.9% of content on news services and social media that's totally irrelevant to my life because my friends curate the news for me. And this practice isn't selfish, right? I'm still trying to convince my friends to join me on this low or no information diet, but most of them won't make that choice and neither will your friends. Your friends are going to continue to choose to feast at the all-you-can-eat information buffet. Let them. And they will willingly and naturally and unknowingly curate what's relevant to you for you. Let them do it and stop making yourself anxious. Uh, I've I've, I've been walking some advanced, uh, some, some readers through an advanced copy of the book over the last year. And of the 32 practices in the book, this is definitely in the top five most life-changing. People are like, oh my gosh, I haven't missed a single thing and I'm happier than I ever have been in my entire life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> That's absolutely right. You know, my husband and I went on a, a media fast for quite some time and we were both just a lot happier. And you're right. Our, our neighbors would send us messages. Our friends would send us messages. We would scroll through Instagram and see what was happening. And so, you know, we really don't need to do that. I think a probably more productive use of our time instead, like you mentioned in your book, is to get away and to be with the Lord. Now, Now, one of the things that I like to do on the podcast is I like to give people some practical things that they can do. And in your book, you've got several practical principles. So of these principles, which one has affected Mm -hmm. your life the most? Let's start there. Like what is Jordan's favorite principle? Yeah. Yeah. So of the seven principles in the book, I, I, I think the biggest one has been this principle number three, descent from the kingdom of noise. Um, which this practice that we just talked about, of letting your friends curate the news for you, comes from this chapter. So seven principles, 32 practices that help us live out those principles from Jesus's life today. Um, I, for the first 30 years of my life, 29, 28 years of my life, was addicted to noise. I was constantly reading the news. I was constantly on social media, constantly just consuming uh, and intaking information. And part of my conviction that this was just unproductive uh, came from reading the gospels and looking at the life of the most productive person who ever lived Jesus Christ. And the number, man, the number of times I said this before that it says that Jesus withdrew to lonely places is staggering. The, The most significant right after his baptism, right? John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up. The, the father says in an audible voice, this is my son in whom I will please. If there was ever a moment you would think Jesus would go to the synagogue and start his preaching ministry, it's right then. But instead, the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness for 40 days of quiet solitude. And it was only then that he was at the height of his spiritual powers to come back, do battle with Satan, and kick off his earthly ministry. We've got to recognize that quiet places are not places of weakness. They're places of great strength. We need solitude 
to think clearly, to be creative, to listen to God's voice, to be at peace, right? Uh, and that just is an incredibly rare commodity today. We're living at a time of unprecedented noise. And if we want to redeem our time in the model of our redeemer, we have got to regularly, habitually dissent from the kingdom of noise. Love it. Love, love, love it. One of the, you also have these practices, right? The 32 practices. So what's your favorite practice? Ooh, okay. Easy. Let me go there. So um, chapter five is all about accepting your uni presence, recognizing that just like Jesus is 33 years on earth, you can only focus on one important thing at a time. And I think enemy number one in our fight for uni presence, our fight for deep work, the deep life is email and text messages and social media constantly uh, distracting us from the work we want to be doing. Uh, and so chapter five, practice number one is all about taking control of when you check your messages. And in, in the chapter, I break down all of people's objections. It's like, Jordan, I can't turn my phone to disturb. People expect me to respond immediately, or I'm going to miss something urgent, or I need the VIPs in my life to be able to get a hold of me. I dismantle all these objections and then give you three practical steps for taking control of when you check your messages. And I'll give them to your listeners right now. Probably the most valuable practice in the whole chapter. Step number one, choose ahead of time when you're going to check email, text messages, and other messages every single day. Doesn't matter how many times you do it. What matters is that you choose ahead of time when it's going to be 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., whatever. Doesn't matter. Choose as many times as you want. For years, when I was running a very well funded tech startup, I only checked my email three times a day, right? 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., roughly. That's step number one. Step number two build a list of VIPs that you want to have access to you at any time of the day. So for me, that's my wife. It's my core team members. It's my agent, my assistant, right? Uh, That's it. Put them on do not disturb. Put them on your favorites list on your iPhone, right? Turn your phone on do not disturb. And now only those people can call you when you're trying to do deep work. So step one, choose when you're going to check your messages. Step two, build a list of VIPs and give them unfettered access to you. And step three, go to those VIPs and set very clear expectations about your response time. Send them an email along this line. Say, hey, listen, I'm trying to do more focused work or try to be more focused at home. So from now on, I'm only checking text messages and emails at 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m. Again, make up your own times. But you're a VIP in my life. So if you need me urgently, call me at this phone number. It'll always come through. And if I'm available, I'll answer. That accounts for the 99% of the exceptions that people really need to accommodate in order to be at peace, ignoring their incoming messages. And if you do that, my word, you're going to work twice as fast (laughs) as I've seen a lot of people do. You're going to be a lot less anxious and you're going to be doing the most exceptional work you've done uh, in your entire career because you're fully focused on one important thing at a time. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I have a a Jewish friend of mine who is faithful with the Sabbath and I can, if something happens, I can send a text or, but I know, I know that that text will not be read um, until Sabbath is over and he is faithful about that. And it is such a testament to, to his productivity because he's uh, very productive, um, but also just what a witness that that is to people. And um, I love that because, you know, my husband is the one person unfettered access, right? I mean, he all the time, totally. um, totally. But 
not everybody needs access to us all the time. Very few people do. And here's the thing. Everyone I've ever taught this practice to, when I come back to them in a week, a month, two months, I say, hey, how many truly urgent things did you miss? Every single person has said zero. Zero. I'm friends with this guy. His name's uh, his name is Ronnie Andrews. He's the CEO of a public company. Public company. He turns his phone off Friday afternoon and doesn't turn it on again until Monday morning, which wow. is crazy. I was like, Ronnie, how many years have you been doing this? He's like, oh, years. How many urgent things have you missed? Zero. Yeah. They can work for Ronnie Andrews. It can work for you. That's right. I love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. I want to conclude on this because I think this is super, super cool. You have an amazing bonus opportunity for the people that pre-order your book. So tell them what that is. I'm kind of crazy. Warning. I'm kind of crazy about pre-order bonuses. I think authors (laughs) need to go over the top of their pre-order bonuses. So here's the deal. Hopefully this conversation was enough to convince you that redeeming your time can help you redeem your time. Uh, But if not, I'll give you one more incentive. I'm giving away a trip to the Holy Land. Uh, for one lucky pre-order of the book. The whole book is about walking like Jesus walked. And what does that look like in the 21st century? So we're going to send somebody to go walk where Jesus walked. I'm paying for everything. It's an eight-day guided tour by one of the world's best tour companies. Uh, And it's going to be awesome. And if that's not your cup of tea, if you're not comfortable traveling uh, right now, I totally get it. you got three years to use the trip. If you're still not comfortable, I'll just write you a check for $5,000, the equivalent cash value of the trip. So uh, really easy to enter to win. Step one, go pre-order the book on Amazon or wherever books are sold before October 23rd. Uh, And then go to jordanraynor.com right there on the homepage. There's a form right there. You can enter to win. And how cool would it be if one of your listeners won this, Misty? That would be amazing. Yeah. And what if they took you? (laughs) All right. I'm I'm putting that to them. They should take Misty Phillip as their guest, as their plus one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I actually have had early access to the book and I have to say, Jordan, that I'm a huge fan. And um, I want to close with this one thought because I'm pretty sure I read this in the book or I've heard you say it, but Jesus had enough time. Like Jesus was never in a hurry. He had enough time to do everything that we think. We are all given this commodity of time and how we spend it. What is your last final encouragement to people? Yeah, my last final encouragement is, it's going to sound depressing on the surface, but as Paul says in Ephesians 5, the days are evil. We are running out of time to do the work that God has created us to do. And we shouldn't redeem our time out of fear right? Because listen, God's purposes won't be thwarted. He'll complete our to-do list if he cares about our to-do list. But we're running out of time to be a part of the blessing of partnering with God and his redemptive purposes in the world. That should motivate us to roll up our sleeves, redeem our time, get our time back so that we can do more good works that bring glory to the Father. Amen. Then that is a great note to leave things on. So Jordan, thank you so much for joining me today. Y'all go grab his book, Redeeming the Time, and you will not be disappointed. Thanks, Misty. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphillip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Phillip, and I would love to connect with you there. 